We've been looking at Beatitudes. Uh, week three today of the Beatitudes series. So it's one of those that it's pretty easy to kind of, you know, guess where we're going. If you're not quite sure, you know, it'd be Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. What? The earth. I like that idea. I like the idea of this. I like the Beatitudes. We've kind of talked about this, how the blessed, that word blessing, the makarios, is this supreme type of blessing. It's that happiness that uh, it almost like conveys that there's going to be this celebration happening. And so every time I'm reading this, blessed are those, blessed are the, blessed are they. And I'm just like, man, I want that. I want that blessing. I want that supreme happiness. That's what I'm wanting. And then, of course, it looks at, it comes with a type of person and what they're going to get. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking the meek. And the one thing about that word meek is that I don't think, not only we as Christians understand what that word means, I don't believe that the world has any clue what that word means. And I'm one of those that I don't care about the words as much as I care about the meaning behind the words. And that's like, I don't care what people call me. Call me whatever you want to call me. It doesn't matter what you call me. I'm not going to get offended by it. It's the meaning that's behind it. And I mean, you look at like my kids, they can call me dad. They could call me daddy. They could call me padre. They could call me poppy. I don't really care what they call me. I know the meaning behind that word. I know what they're trying to say, whether or not they're being warm, whether they're being compassionate, whether they're just teasing me and in a joking mood. So it's those meanings behind it that really matter. And the reason I believe that we as Christians and the world doesn't understand the word meek is because we have no concept of the meaning that's behind that word. Like, how often have you heard as a Christian somebody tell you that your behavior is not very Christ-like? And sometimes the shoe fits. Sometimes you're not being Christ-like. Other times you're being very much like Christ and they just have no clue what Christ is actually like. Because they have this, this image of Christ being meek and they have a definition that they have attributed to what that means and how Jesus is supposed to be. Like the world believes that Jesus is supposed to be some tree-hugging hippie that is tiptoeing through the tulips and he doesn't care about anything and you can go ahead and trip him, knock him over, spit on him, stomp on his little toe and he's going to say, thank you, sir, may I have another? And that's what they see Jesus and that's how they think that we're supposed to be. You know, I had one of these moments several years back. Man, it's been, it's been a decade. I am getting old. It has been 12 years ago that this happened. 12 years ago, I remember walking into work one day, and they tell me that they're changing my schedule. I'm going to have to start working every single Sunday. It didn't matter to them that I actually had a contract with them that was signed by the vice president of the division that said I would never have to work a Sunday. Now, I got that because I had quit before because I didn't want to work Sundays and I knew that was me. I had signed a contract, an employment agreement, if you will, that said I'll work whenever, whenever. But this time I came back and I was like, no, 
Sundays are off limits and you've got to put that in writing. So they did. That's the offer letter. That's the one I accepted. That's what we signed. And I remember walking in and they said, well, you're going to have to start working Sundays. No, I'm not. Well, yeah, you are because you have to do what we tell you to do. No, I don't. Well, aren't you going to try to help us out here and, and work with everybody and try to get along? No. Well, that doesn't sound like very Christ-like behavior. I would expect a pastor to, to behave more like Jesus. I am. Well, Josh, I just don't think you understand. You're putting us between a rock and a hard place. Oh, no, I understand fully. Because you put me between a rock and a hard place, the only difference is my rock is Jesus Christ and that don't budge. But this approach that I took to stand firm, be defensive, not budge, well, that, that, that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. And this is somebody who would, who would claim to be a Christian themselves, but it was not just him, it was other co-workers that weren't Christians. And they all agreed that I was not being like Jesus. Fast forward months later, after I had finally been terminated, after I had a lawsuit pending against them for wrongful termination and you know religious discrimination, and, and I meet this boss, and he comes up to me and he apologizes and asks for my forgiveness. And I tell him, you don't have to ask for my forgiveness. I realized you weren't doing it to me, you were doing it to God. And he agreed. He said, I, I was. I was mad at God because my life was falling apart, my marriage was falling apart, and every time I looked at you, I saw God, and I was mad at him for letting this happen to me, and I took it out on the only God that I could see, and that was you. And he said, I I'm so sorry. And I was like, you don't have to ask my forgiveness, you have to ask his. And he did. And that afternoon, I called my lawyer and I told him to withdraw the lawsuit and I wasn't pursuing it anymore. Oh, man. And then, you know how many Christians came at me? Well, that's not very Christ-like behavior. You cowards. You gave up on it. You're supposed to stand for righteousness. You're supposed to. You can't just let them walk all over you like that. And see, through... My time as a Christian, every time I try to stand up and be like Jesus, I get either the world or Christians telling me that I'm not being very Christ-like. And I think it's because we as Christians, we're often seen by others and by each other as either being bullies or being doormats. We're either letting people just walk all over us or we're always trying to get our own way and appear smarter and holier than thou. And when I think about this, I, I'm wondering, it's like, do we really believe? Do you really believe that Jesus was a doormat that everybody just walked all over? And do you really believe that Jesus would be a bully that just forced his way? No, we, we don't believe that. But yet that's what we believe about Christians. That's what the world believes about Christians. Yeah. That they're either doormats and we get to walk all over them, or they're bullies 
trying to force their beliefs upon us, trying to force their way upon us. And it's like, it all comes down to this word meek that we don't understand. And yet when I look at this, I'm seeing Jesus say, the meek are the blessed ones and they're going to inherit the earth. Well, if I want to inherit the earth and if you want to inherit the earth, we better understand what Jesus means by the meek and who the meek are. And then we better do everything in our power and ability to become the meek. Because right now, I don't believe that the body of Christ is actually being meek. You know, there's this this phrase that says there's a little bit of truth in perception. Well, I believe there's a lot of truth in perception. The way the world sees us as not being Christ-like is because we're not being Christ-like. And maybe there was a a way that I could have been more Christ-like in that situation to explain why I was standing firm and then to explain why I wouldn't stand anymore. There's a way to do that to make sure that they understand where we're coming from, where our heart's really at. Now, did I explain that to people? Sure, but I don't think I explained it well enough. If they still didn't see me as meek, if they didn't see me like Jesus, if they saw me as either being a doormat or a bully, I could have done more. We can do more. You can do more to make sure that we are the meek and we are inheriting. That's what I want us to do. And I I believe what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of look at the Bible. We're going to look at some world's definitions of this word. And we're going to come to an understanding of what Jesus meant when he said the meek. But I don't want us just to come to an understanding like we just gained some knowledge or some insights. I want us to get this so down and deep inside us that we leave here pursuing a life of being meek. And so as we we dive into the word here, I want you to do that. I want you to be ready to receive from God and not just receive for knowledge's sake, but receive for your life's sake. Jesus wants us to inherit. And so that's what I want us all to do. I want to show you this passage first and foremost uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. And this is actually out of the Amplified Translation. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. Other translations, and even this one, it defines it, it's meek. This is the same word that Jesus uses. The same Greek word Jesus uses in Matthew 5, 5, when he said, blessed are the meek. He calls himself gentle. He calls himself meek. He says, I am meek. I am humble in heart. And you'll find rest and relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and a blessed quiet for your souls. Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come to me. I'm going to give you this. You're going to find this rest in me. But he describes himself as being meek. Jesus describes himself as being meek. This is why we need to be meek. I mean, show of hands, how many people say that they're a Christian? Right? We're Christians. You know what a Christian is, right? It's someone who is Christ-like. So if Jesus is saying he's meek, we should be like Jesus and be meek. Now, I found a couple quick definitions when I was scouring good old Google. Hey, Google, 
What's the definition of meek? Uh-oh, I just respond. She's, she's activating in my pocket. I can feel her. I hope she doesn't talk. Vocabulary.com says this adjective meek describes a person who is willing to go along with whatever other people want to do. Like a meek classmate who won't speak up even when he or she is treated unfairly. That's vocabulary.com. Look at what merriamwebster's.com looks like. It says that a meek is enduring injury with patience and without resentment, deficient in spirit and courage, not violent or strong. Does any of that sound like Jesus to you? Like, that doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus isn't, isn't going this route. My Jesus, sure, he may be enduring injury with patience. I'll give him that one. Without resentment, I'll give him that one too. Deficient in spirit and courage? Not even close. Not violent? Sure. Strong? <laughs> no. Like, not even close. I look at the world's definitions of this. I look what vocabulary.com said. And, it, oh, it's this classmate who's just letting people trample over him, not even going to speak up. That's not my Jesus. That's not my Jesus. Check out this passage in John chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. It says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables and said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Yay. This is my Jesus. It's like, and some people would look at this and say that was violent. Maybe Jesus was a violent extremist in this moment. He made a bullwhip is what he did, or we can call it an oxen whip, I guess. A sheep whip. He got a whip made out of cords. This would be leather straps. Comes walking in, cracking this thing, yelling at them, and flipping over the tables. Ah, nope. No, he's, he's, he's meek. And meek means you let people just walk all over them. You're not strong. You have no courage whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, this, this doesn't line up. The world's definition of meek does not line up with Jesus calling himself meek. It just doesn't fit. It does not mesh at all. And I think it's because we've just let the definition go. We've forgotten what it really means. We've become so biblically illiterate that we don't even know who Jesus is. So when people are asking, what is meek? Uh, it's weak. That, that's what it is. It's, it's weak. It's like, no, that, that's, not, that's not Jesus. That's not. Now see, the crazy part is that this 
definition that has been changed has only happened within the last few hundred years. It's only shifted in modern history because we can go to like the formation of this nation and Noah Webster, great man, one of the great founding fathers that decided, hey, we have all of these different people from all of these different nationalities. We need an American English dictionary. What we need to do is we need to grab all of these different nationalities and make sure that we understand that these words have this meaning. And as a basis for that, he would use Bible words, scripture throughout that dictionary to make sure if people didn't understand what it was, he's pointing to it. He's showing them what this means. And in 1828, he released the first American English dictionary. And here's what Meek stood for in 1828. Meek, an adjective, some Latin something or other. It's mild of temper. All right, let's catch that. Mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. Let's just pause right there, okay? Because this, this is a, a definition, and this is a biblical definition too. The one thing I didn't include here is underneath one and then underneath two in the 1828 dictionary, Noah Webster put in a couple scriptures, references to find out what this was. For this first one, he actually used something in numbers that we'll check out later. And then in the second one, he actually uses something in Luke that we'll, we'll catch here in just a minute. But if you look at that first part, mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. I'm sorry, church, that does not define us at all. That does not define us at all. We make jokes about, you know, the little old ladies in church that they've got that seat. And if you happen to be a visitor and you come into the church and you sit in their seat, all hell is about to break loose in church. Talk about being easily irritated. And that's just, that's just not there. We get irritated all the time. I use this, this common illustration, and I'm going to do my best not to make eye contact because I know this individual is just like me, and he's going to be thinking, Josh, why are you using the same illustration all over again? But what happens when we're driving in our vehicle, and all of a sudden, somebody cuts us off? Or we're going down the interstate. You know what happens? We're in the left lane, which is supposed to be the fast lane, and there's somebody slow. You got plenty of room. Move. <laughs> You'll never guess who that individual was that I'm not making eye contact with. <laughs> but it's like not easily provoked or irritated. No, we're easily provoked or irritated. And we all do it over the simplest, the stupidest, the littlest things. You ever go into a grocery store and find out that, you know what, they were running a, spe a special. They had a sale going on and they ran out. It was such a popular sale. They ran out. Oh, man. Those grocery shoppers are coming unglued. What do you mean? You had this sale. You should have prepared better. No, I will not take a rain check. You'll get it for me right now. You'll exchange the most expensive thing for me. That's what you're going to do. Like, not easily provoked or irritated. See, we do this. 
But this is a definition of meek. And this is why I say we're not there yet. (laughs) You want to know why the Christians are not inheriting the earth right now? We're not being meek. We are so easily provoked. So easily provoked. You know what? There's a... There's a new social media platform out there and they're trying to get information about people. Well, I, as a U.S. congressman, must bring the owner of said company under review and we're going to try to destroy them because only we can have the power to track people. It's like our government is easily provoked. Squabbling over every little thing. It goes on in that first definition. We haven't even moved on to the second definition out here. First one, it says it's yielding, given to forbearance. If you don't know what the word forbearance means, that's (laughs) self-control. Self-control. One of the keys, the first key to being meek is having self-control. You're not going to be easily provoked if you have self-control. You're not going to be easily irritated if you have self-control. You're not going to get angry. You're going to have a mild temper if you have self-control. You're going to be gentle with people if you have self-control. And if somebody's trying to hurt you or they step on your toe, you got enough self-control, you don't lose it. That's being meek. The second part of this definition, it says appropriately humble in an evangelical sense, submissive to the divine will, not proud or self-sufficient or refractory. Don't even ask me what that word means. I have no idea and I didn't feel like looking up the definition because I didn't need to when I saw that this says that we are submissive to the divine will. Being meek is submissive to the divine will. Being meek is about having self-control and submitting to God. Submitting to God, saying, it's it's not about me. I don't care if people are mad at me. I don't care if people hurt me. I don't care if people mistreat me. What does God want? Jesus comes walking into the temple, cracking a whip, throwing over money tables, and he didn't come in saying, do you see what you've done to me? You have offended me because I was going to come in here and preach. You turned this into a den of thieves. No. He comes walking in, cracks it, flips over the tables, and he's like, my father's house. Divine will. My father's house. Not mine. His. You see what you have done to him. Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's meek. Jesus is in the garden and he is praying and he knows what's about to happen. He knows that they're about to come and arrest him. They're going to crucify him. They're going to murder him. And he's praying and he's like, Father, if there's any way that you can take this from me, but I don't want what I want. I want what you want. That's meek. That's meek. You're 
telling me that, you know, Judas comes walking into the garden with these soldiers and that Jesus couldn't have just sneezed and wiped them all out? He's the living word. He's the son of God. He looks at a, a tree and curses it and it withers up and dies. He's got the strength. He's got the power. But he's got submission. And he knows that this had to happen. See, the difference between meek and weak is that a weak person doesn't have the strength. A meek person has the strength, but chooses not to use it. Jesus chose not to use his strength. He chose not to use it because meek isn't weak. It is strength under control. Meek is not weak. It is strength under control. We need to have the strength that we have. And if you don't realize the strength that you have, the same power, the same anointing that Jesus had, he gave to us. He commissioned us. He's saying, go therefore in my name. In my name, you're going to cast out devils. In my name, you're going to heal the sick. In my name, you're going to do this. That name, he was saying, in me, in my power, in my ability, in everything that I am and I have, I'm sending you out with that. Go do this in my power. He's given us access to that power. We have the power we just have to be meek and be able to control ourselves. Only use that power for his will. <laughs> That's not what Christians are doing. Christians are running out claiming things in Jesus' name for their own will. It's ridiculous, but there have been so many stories about people that, you know, they see a woman walk in the church and they're like, oh, that lady's going to be my wife. They don't care the fact that she's already married. They start praying and asking God to make her their wife. That goes against his will. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to work that way. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe I don't have the power. No, you got the power, but God's not going to let you use it stupidly. And if you really want to operate in his power and his strength and his ability, you've got to be operating in his will. Just like Jesus says, not my will, but let yours be done. And sure, people will hear a message like this and they'll see those examples and they'll be like, well, that's great, but that's Jesus and he was perfect. You're right. That was Jesus and he is perfect. It's the same Jesus that told us that we can be like him. But it wasn't just Jesus. Jesus isn't the only example of being meek. Actually, Moses is a great example of somebody who is meek. But Moses wasn't weak. I, what I want you to do is I actually want you to turn to Numbers chapter 11, or Numbers chapter 12. And while you turn there, I'm going to have Nancy pull up Hebrews chapter 11. So you're looking up Numbers 12, she's pulling up Hebrews 11.
when you get to Numbers 12, I want you to look at verse 3 here real quick. It says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And actually, Nancy, pull up Numbers 12.3 out of the uh, ESV real quick, and then we'll go back to Hebrews. But the English Standard says that Moses was very meek. Different Bibles, different translations, but this is the same word that in the Hebrew was then used in the Greek. The same word that Jesus was talking about when he's saying, blessed are the meek for they inherit. Moses, very meek, more so than all the people on the face of the earth. I mean, I think that's probably a good example, right? If he's more meek than everybody else, good example for us. But see, Moses wasn't weak at all. We look at Hebrews chapter 11, run it down, verse 24 through 29. It says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction when the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. I'm, I'm sorry, he's not, I mean, he's forsaking Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. That doesn't sound like the world's definition of meek. That doesn't sound like a doormat at all. That doesn't sound like somebody who has no strength and courage. No. He actually endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn, should touch them. By faith he passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. This is what Moses is doing by faith. All of these great feats by faith. All of these great feats that show the strength that Moses operated in. Parting the Red Sea, walking through the wilderness, receiving the commandments. All of this stuff that Moses is able to do, it shows all of the strength that he had. All of the strength that flowed through him. But see, Moses was meek. And as I said, meek is not weak. It is strength under control. Moses understood how to control that strength. And if you're there in Numbers chapter 12, start with verse 1. It says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. Man, they're in trouble. Dad's mad. He's calling y'all out in the living room. Oh, yeah. So the three came out. Verse 5, Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam. They both went forward, and he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face 
even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. I mean, you read on the story, and then Miriam's, you know, in trouble, and there she dies, and well, then Moses cries out and asks God to bring her back, and he says, fine, but we're going to treat her like everybody else, and she's going to be cast out of the camp for seven days. So instead of getting, you know, physical death punishment, she gets a timeout. But it was only because of Moses. And you, you see this, like, illustration of, of what Moses is doing. Moses isn't defending himself. Aaron and Miriam are coming against him. They're upset with him. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Why would you marry an Ethiopian woman? That's not right of you. God can speak to us. He doesn't need to speak to you anymore. Moses doesn't say anything. Moses doesn't need to defend himself. Aaron and Miriam have made themselves fools at this point. Fools because they couldn't see how God was using Moses even though they saw how God was using Moses. They just couldn't see it because they had let their own self get in the way. And yet Moses, with the strength that Moses had, the strength that Moses had, such strength that his faith was then able to call out to God and have God access that power to raise Miriam back from the dead. That's the access to strength that Moses has. Moses doesn't use it. Moses controls himself. Moses submits to the will of God. Because Moses realizes them attacking him is actually them attacking God. God didn't need Moses to defend him. God is capable of defending himself. So Moses just takes it. No worries. Moses is meek. We have to be meek. You see, this is, when it comes to inheriting the earth, when it comes to walking in the blessing that God has for us, we have to be meek, which means we have to have self-control of the strength that we have. We've got to be submissive to God's will. Proverbs 16.32 says that he who is slow to anger is better than somebody who's mighty. And he who is able to rule his spirit than a person who takes over a city. <laughs> you want to talk about inheriting the kingdom? You cannot inherit the earth if you can't even take control of your own spirit. Do we really, are we so arrogant to think that we can't rule ourselves and God's going to let us rule the earth? No, it has to start here. Only when it starts here, only when we can rule ourselves, only when we can rule our emotions, only when we can rule our own strength, will God then allow us to start to rule the earth, to inherit it and to dominate it. That's the only time that it's going to happen because he wants to make sure that we're doing it with the right heart and the right heart is always looking to him first. The opposite of this person who isn't slow to anger, who can't rule their emotions, is what Proverbs says in 25, 28. 
Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You're broken down. You can't defend yourself. And every single attack is going to hurt. Because you can't control your own heart. You can't control your own emotions. Because you're not meek. See, the thing is, is we often get this confused where we think meekness is weakness. If anything, meekness is the opposite of weakness. Because those who aren't meek are truly weak. They're the ones that have no inner strength. They can't control themselves. They can't control their emotions. They just can't do it. Meek isn't weak. It is strength under control. That meekness means that you must submit to God and you must control yourself. And by now we're reading through these beatitudes. And by now you should have been able to, to pick up on this theme of, of what God is doing and what Jesus is trying to tell us. By now we should have picked up that he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means those who realize that we have nothing without God. He's saying, blessed are those who mourn. That means those who are sad because they have sinned against God and offended God. And now he's saying, blessed are the meek, those who submit to God and are able to control themselves. He's trying to tell us something through this. And he's trying to lead us into something. He's wanting to lead us into this great blessing. But the only way that we lead into the great blessing is by relying on him, trusting in him, following him, and stop trying to do it your own way. That's the only way you're going to do it. Yes, you need to stop letting people walk all over you when they're walking all over you and it's offending God. No, I'm not going to sit there at my job saying, you have to work on a Sunday. That was them saying that our job here, your role here that we said you don't have to do, is more important than you ministering to God. You ministering to people. What you're doing for us is more important than what God has called you to. See, that wasn't an offense to me. It was an offense towards God. Because all of a sudden, this company thinks that they're more powerful and more important than God. No, that's when I stand up. No. That's not acceptable. So we need to stop letting people walk all over us, but we also need to stop pushing others around. Because, yeah, I could have went ahead and pursued that lawsuit. I could have walked away with a very nice six-figure settlement. Man, I'd still be enjoying the benefits of that right now. But that would have been all about me because, see, the thing was is that that position they put me in was all against God. So when he had asked forgiveness from God, and I know the word is true that God is faithful and just to forgive them, how can I then try to punish them for myself when it was all about God in the first place? I couldn't. I wasn't going to be that bully. I wasn't going to push him around that way. No. No. There was a man who had repented and turned his heart back towards God. It's greater than any amount of settlement I ever could have gotten. So we need to stop letting people walk all over us. We need to stop pushing other people around. And we need to start submitting to God and controlling ourselves. 
See, I'm longing for this day. I am longing for the day when we learn to be meek and change the way the world thinks about Christians. I long for the day when we will learn what it means to be meek and we change the way that we see ourselves. I long for that day. I long for the day when the world sees us as Christ-like. I long for the day when we are, see ourselves like Christ. Let that day start today. Let that day begin now. Let us go out, be meek with our strength, being under self-control. Amen? Let's pray.